Welcome everyone to episode 9, season 1 of our Superior Sales Disruption Podcast, which is proudly brought to you by our media partner, Retail World, Australia's premier publication in the grocery and FMCG industry. As will be the case throughout, I am joined by my partner in crime in Melbourne. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you today, mate? I'm great, Jamie. I'm really looking forward to our interview with Esme. Seeing her recent ascension from sales director to managing director be really timely to get an insight from a personal disruption point of view. What about you? Mate, I'm really looking forward to hearing from Esme. Um, look, I, I got the opportunity to meet her uh, a number of years ago. We worked on a few programs um, in the route and the p- petrol convenience space. And look, mate, she was, you know, it, was, it was a hard book to read at the time. So I'm, I'm, I'm really wanting to hear a bit, bit more about her backstory. Uh, a little bit more about what uh, you know her purpose and her why and 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 her journey through her career path that's allowed her to get to uh, being the managing director uh, of Kellogg's. Fantastic. So, without further ado, Esme Borgout. Welcome to Esme uh, Borgout, the uh, managing director of uh, Kellogg's Australia and New Zealand, and uh, thank you for having us today. And uh, welcome. Hi, Jamie, Mark. Thank you for having me. And yes, we do have our uh, our uh, partner in crime down in Melbourne today. Uh, Mark, how are you today, buddy? I am absolutely wonderful. Really looking forward to this podcast. And uh, I thought I might uh, kick things off the way we normally do, Esme, is that uh, in terms of uh, building a story, we love uh, the beginning, the origin of a story. So where did it all uh, start for you? And, you know, where did you grow up and where did you go to school? So I know I hide it well, um, but given my accent, um, you would never have guessed that I was born and bred in South Africa. Um, So I come from Johannesburg, where I went to school, and I studied law at the University of Pretoria. Fantastic. So Laura, uh, that's a uh, it's taking you in a different direction, and um, obviously, uh, you know the FMCG industry. That's uh, you, know, you, you started there a long time back, and uh, where, where did you start, and and what what brought you to FMCG? It's actually uh, an inter- an, an interesting story. Um, when I was at uni, I had a study bursary from Kimberly Clark. Um, and every school uh, holiday or college holiday, they would give me uh, a job to do. And after I graduated, they invited me to join their graduate program. So my first job was customer service officer in in logistics and uh, really enjoyed the, the banter and the sales team. And when a vacancy came up, I put my hand up for it, got the job, and 10 years later, I was still there. And has sales always been in your blood? Have you always had sort of sales positions through your tenure? I've got a big smile here, Mark, so I think that's going to be a big yes, mate. I've largely <laughs> have built my career through various uh, sales roles, except for um, a stint in uh, leading a logistics team, which was a- an amazing experience when I had that. So um, we often ask uh, the people who participate in our podcast, um, we love uh, people who are centred by a sort of a defining purpose, uh, a big why in their life. Has that been something that's guided you or is that something that you, you're sort of discovering as you, as you go further on? For me, it's really important to make a difference each and every day, a difference in my job, a difference at home with my family, 
um, and to have a positive p- impact on the people around me. So I'm incredibly passionate about developing people to their full potential. And I strongly believe in the power of diversity. Um, by that, I mean diverse work, work groups, but also gender equality. Um, I also believe that sustained success for any organization can truly uh, be achieved only when companies break down um, silos and integrate uh, across functions to unlock value for all their stakeholders, which includes their consumers, uh, their customers, uh, but also their employees. Fantastic. And, uh, you know, just if I can take back to the Kimberly Clark days. So you, you smiled when I said sales and, uh, uh, or Mark asked you about sales. And so you started in customer service, but what, what led you into sales and what, what role was that? Uh, was it a, a repping role? Was it an account management role? What, what were you doing? Yeah, so the first role was a, a repping role and everything was so shiny new um, when I started out my career. So I learned a lot, steep learning curve in, in the beginning. And I think what really attracted me um, to continue developing uh, uh, a career in in sales is the ability to get things done through others, the power of collaboration, um, and then solution-based selling um, really appealed to to me. And I think that's something, you know, that stands uh, all salespeople in, in good stead is to realize that selling is about solving problems for others it's about adding value unlocking uh, incremental value and that's how you set yourself um, apart from from others and how you create competitive advantage you say that uh, sorry yeah you say that um, one of the big things that you're looking at is you know how you break down the silos within an organization can you tell our listeners you know some examples of how that's worked for you So we actually have a a very interesting, um, let's call it experiment um, on the go at the moment. And it's it's born out of the fact that more and more employees are looking for breadth of experience. They're looking for new and different things as opposed to just building their careers in a vertical way. Um, So we've identified three key business challenges um, that we face in this year. We've put together very diverse teams, diverse in terms of functional expertise, diverse in terms of experience, and pointed people up against some of these uh, challenges and given them the freedom to work through uh, uh, what what we need to do to address some of these issues. And it's been quite amazing how people have stepped up to to the challenge and how much energy it actually generates um, stepping outside of your functional comfort zone and looking at a, a business issue from so many different angles um, to come up with a more holistic solution. So um, we're learning a lot. Um, it isn't completely smooth, smooth sailing. It's the first time uh, we've done this. But I think um, the, the engagement and energy that it's generating through, through the business has been nothing short of amazing. That's, uh, that's a really important um exercise that you're running through because a lot of the guests that we've spoken to particularly the ones that have started as a sales rep on the road and and made their way and this is what we we really wanted to bring to our listeners is that the journey that that, you know that you know you and and other guests have taken to become managing director of Kellogg's and and one of the things is that everyone's talking about 
it isn't about vertical, um, um, uh, you know, going straight up the ladder. The traditional paths are not there. And this cross-functional piece that you guys are working on is becoming something that's very trending. And, it's, and you really do need to have all aspects of a business to be able to actually get to the top and understand you know, all the functions that go with that. And, and even with your customer service, uh, or sorry, the logistics role, that would have been an amazing learning curve for you at the time and, and, and held you in great stead for what you're doing now. So uh, no, a very important thing that what you guys are trialling here. So it's great. Mark, you uh, you got a uh, thought on that process as well. I know that you were uh, all about the whole uh, cross-functional and going across uh, channels within the business. No, I love that. I, mean, I remember, Esme, when we first caught up with you uh, probably about 12 months ago and you were very passionate about sales and marketing alignment uh, from a functional uh, piece. Now that you're managing director, do you find that process now easier to embed or is it, uh, has it been well entrenched at Kellogg's? Tell us some of your experiences with sales and marketing alignment. Yeah, so I think in, in the past three years, we've worked really hard um, to integrate sales and marketing in, in the way we go to market. Um, and we've come a long way during that period. Uh, I think this is just a natural evolution and taking it to, to the next step, which is truly integrating work streams across the organization. There is a, a school of thought um, that says, you know, we're moving people from technical functional experts to be more knowledge workers. And I think this approach in um, exposing people to the broader business um, in a very meaningful way uh, plays very strongly to, to that. Um, you know, I think these days uh, our job as, as leaders, whether it be a sales leader or a business leader is about getting people to think as opposed to getting people just to do uh, a job. And there are, uh, you know, if you can unlock new and innovative ways of, of doing that, that drives um, engagement, I think that gives you, you know, the best of all worlds. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, what, in part, as part of that, what do you see as some of the turning points for Esme in terms of your career path that you look back on and go, you know what, that was really quite a disruption within what you were doing. And, 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 and can you explain to the listeners some of the, some of those turning points and key moments in your career path to where you are today? So as I mentioned, I joined um, Kimberly Clark uh, as part of their, their graduate program and I spent 10 years of, of my career there. Um, after 10 years, I felt that I wanted to stretch my wings uh, a, a little bit. And it is exactly because Kellogg's gave me the opportunity to um, uh, be a leader in a different function um, that I decided to join Kellogg. So I moved across from Kimberly Clark to, to Kellogg's um, and still had the sales part as part of my portfolio. So uh, sales and business development for sub-equatorial Africa, but I got um, responsibility for the logistics function. And the first task straight off the bat was um, in our strategy was the development of a fully automated greenfields, a centralized distribution center. And I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a little bit daunting stepping into this, not knowing much um, about logistics. But then again, had a, I had a fantastic team that supported me and I learned an incredible amount um, about the business and also about myself in, 
in navigating what was very unfamiliar territory on on such a big project so that was awesome and a, and a big uh, a turning point for for me um, in my career. I think that is the point where I decided that I wanted to go down the general management uh, path uh, eventually, and that shaped a lot of things that I did afterwards. Another example would be is um, I got the opportunity a few years after that to um, lead the company's uh, core working capital improvement project which for a sales guy was a pretty interesting experience hanging out with um, so many finance people um, and, and driving the core agenda around cash flow uh, improvement. But again, it's those kind of things that you put your hand up. It's fairly intimidating when you go down that path, but you learn so much. Um, not least of all, you learn about yourself. And uh, before we sort of ask you a couple of questions about your ascension to, you know, managing director, uh, tell us a time when you were part of a major sort of sales disruption. Um, so if I think about sales disruption, I, I'd feel it would feel wrong if I didn't start by talking about sales fundamentals and sales basics because I think that is often undervalued. Um, you know, the, the the very basic but critical task of making sure that you've got the right product at the right price in the right place um, so that the shopper can find it um, when she's looking for that. If you don't have those basics in place, you actually can't uh, have any sticky innovation or disruption from, from a sales point of view. So I think it starts there. The, the second point around that is... Um, you know, truly be focused on on teasing out insights from the heap of data that you have at your fingertips to solve a problem. I spoke about solution-based um, selling before. So to solve a problem for your customer is critical for, for disruption. One of the examples um, that I have for you that, that may resonate because uh, it's, it's reasonably fresh um, a few years ago, one of our big retailers went on um, a, a fairly intensive range rationalization um, project and they were removing duplication from their range, which basically means any brand that had multiple sizes, they would remove all the sizes until they had one left. Um, we had insights that showed that removing um, this duplication uh, would actually result in lost sales for both us and our customers. Um, and at the same time, as we were socializing the, the data, it actually emerged that there was um, an opportunity for a third uh, pack size, which would then, um, you know, fulfill a very unique need for, for shoppers. So it was a fairly intense process of, of um, convincing the customer um, of this. Uh, we got there in the end, had a, a fantastic piece of collaboration between uh, the sales team and the supply chain to ensure that by adding um, a, another product, we weren't going to create a heap of complexity for our, for our supply chain. Developed the, the third size and launched it into this retailer as an exclusive and as a third uh, pack size. And it's been, I think this is the fourth year that all three those pack sizes of this particular brand has delivered growth every single year and incremental growth to, to the category because it talks to 
very specific shopper and consumer needs that we um, we tapped into. So that's quite disruptive because the customer strategy was something completely different to where we had uh, ended up. Fantastic. And by doing that, you've um, enabled them to grow the category. And that's that's most importantly what it's all about. So, you know, even in range rationalization, you do sometimes actually put forward things that are maybe not in your best interest, but it is in the interest of the category. So luckily they, they listen to you on that one. And so, so data is a good one. And, and I think we've actually may have even circled back on this uh, as Mark sort of referred to a little bit earlier, where when we, we did catch up and we spoke to you about a few programs that we run at Superior Sales, that um, the data piece we've seen has become, it, it certainly has a place for it, but uh, uh, we feel that the, some sales teams have lost that art of the storytelling piece, um, where the, particularly, again, the younger generation, they're, they're really taught all about you know, big data and, and, and really having the numbers and that's going to get us to the sale. But as you said earlier, the, the sales process is still, you know, it's still quite a basic and it is, you know, it's about product, it's about price and it's about, uh, about category, but it's also about storytelling and, and bringing all that together. And, you know, we feel that, yeah, I know the question to you is, do you, you know, how do you, do you feel that companies and certainly what you've been observing, uh, how's storytelling working for you guys and, and what role does that play in, in sales and the disruption of sales piece? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you uh, more, Jamie. It's something that we've had to go back to. I think that um, as we developed sales um, as a functional science um, and bringing data in uh, a lot more, we became over-reliant on, on the data. Um, it is the ability to weave the data points and the insights together to tell a more holistic story. Absolutely. Um, in a way that is relatable, credible, and compelling. And that is what the art of, of storytelling is about, is, is bringing that vision uh, to life. So it, it is not one or the other. It is definitely doing, doing both. And that's something we're focusing on a lot more with our team now is, you know, build the story, but then also invest in how you bring it to life in a credible, relatable way. I love a story about a story. Now, one last question about your tenure of, a, say, as a sales director. What are some of the other challenges do you find that are facing sales directors today? Um, I think it's similar to the the one of the biggest challenges that face businesses uh, today, and and that's um, unlocking sustainable growth. Um, growth in our industry is is pretty elusive um, at the moment with crowded categories uh, and and the like. So I think the sales director being at the forefront with customers feel this more keenly. Um, and the challenge really is to find those spaces, you know, we where our interests and the interests of the category and the customer overlap uh, so that you can unlock mutuality in, in what you bring to, to the table. So I think that is, a, that is an ongoing challenge um, for, for sales teams as a whole. Yeah, so the sales growth area is, and it is, it's, it's getting tougher for everyone out there. Um, you know, definitely the margins uh, are lower and, and, and it's all about having a look at channels that, are, you know, that work with your brand, um, which, is, which is actually a really good one because um, – 
obviously, uh, you know, we worked together a number of years back on on some route and impulse and convenience uh, space uh, programs where we did see a lot of companies, certainly big grocery brands, sort of move away from that channel because it is a decreasing, shrinking market. Um, you know, do you see, what, what place do you see convenience? I mean, convenience really has sort of turned in the last few years. It is growing uh, still um, uh, as a channel and, um, you know, certainly your brands uh, with the history and heritage there, um, you know, what, what role do you see convenience still plays in the industry and, and you know, as part of your portfolio and business? You know, we have uh, a couple of brands that are actually only available through the convenience channel, specifically because those brands um, and the products they represent, um, you know, have been designed for a specific occasion that is being unlocked by, by that channel. And I think that's how the thinking has, has evolved over time. Um, it is more around, you know, what are the different consumption occasions if you're a food brand? for your brand and then how can you commercialize that through the various uh, channels if you think about occasions in that way it becomes a far bigger opportunity than purely just thinking about a sales execution in in a specific channel yeah definitely and um you know part of obviously sales growth these days that everyone's looking for is innovation um, so, you know, give you, you, what's your thoughts on innovation and, and, and the team that's behind innovation here within Kellogg's? You know, what are some of the disruptive things that they look for and, and that they're bringing to the table at the moment for you? So for us at Kellogg's, innovation is very much, uh, very much an integrated value creation uh, process. And by that, it, I mean, it touches the consumer, it touches the shopper, it touches um, our, our customers. So... Um, we do that in a in a very integrated way. Um, we've got a, a, a very well developed process, um, and we manage uh, around a three year innovation funnel um, that we continue iterating some ideas. Uh, other ideas are are more disruptive, um, and we we tend to be more agile um, around those. Something that is quite interesting is the, the notion of experiential uh, uh, learning um, in, in innovation and how you quickly iterate uh, ideas and, you know, you learn by doing. Um, yeah. I think that that is interesting for us, how okay. we continue developing that model so that we, you know, can become more, more agile um, and compete more effectively. Yeah, you're spot on because the... Um too often we see, you know, that whole incubation process of, of innovation taking a few years. Sometimes you sort of miss the boat a little bit. So being agile and taking a bit of a you know, punt and bring it, like, let's, let's bring it to life. And, um, you know, you've got to do your research and stuff, but uh, being agile is really one of the things that is pretty, pretty important to, to be a step in front of your competitor and, and the industry in that sense. So, uh, um, is there any 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 new innovations that you can share with us here? Uh, uh, first to you know, first off, first to market, first out in the in, that's coming up for Kellogg's. That's exciting. Well, you only have to go into your nearest uh, supermarket to see that we've been uh, very focused on convenience as an occasion, and we've just launched uh, a very good or uh, well, uh, nice tasting um, special case smoothie, shelf stable uh, special case smoothie, which uh, is a sensational product. 
Okay, fantastic. That's great. We'll have to try that one, Mark. What do you reckon? <laughs> I can't wait for it. So, is my um, you know, part of part of our journey in 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 the FMCG space and and really in life in general is there's people that come across our paths that make an impact and and you know in some regards they are mentors and in some regards they you know could be you know, sporting coaches, you know, coaches of life. And, uh, you know, for the listeners, you know, what, what were some of the people that have made an impact to you and or that you look back on as mentors? And, and can you share with us what, what were some of those uh, things that you learned from them? So I think I've been incredibly fortunate um, with the, the mentors uh, that I've had through the course of, of my career. Uh, probably one of the most powerful experiences uh, that I had was when I was appointed to lead the consumer sales team at at Kimberly Clark, in that at that point um, of my career, I didn't feel that um, I was ready or that I was up to to doing um, a job uh, that big. Um, and at the time, um, my mentor said to me that. Um, if you had to wait until you were ready before you would put up your hand for anything, you will never be ready um, and you won't progress. So that is something that I've taken with me um, right through through my career is that um, advice that, you know, put your hand up, put yourself out there. Um, you have to be courageous um, in driving your your own development, which means making yourself vulnerable, which means uh, becoming comfortably uncomfortable as you as you stretch yourself. Um, pretty big lesson for me early on. So, Esme, um, a lot of sales directors, in particular, who we talk to, you know, they've been sales directors for five years, maybe ten years, and they've found the leap from sales director to managing director, a, a difficult one to, to achieve. What do you think has helped you, you know, make that leap from sales director to managing director? I think it's because I've ha- always had an interest on how the whole business works. So uh, as a result of that, I've put my hand up for different experiences. I mentioned logistics earlier. I mentioned working on uh, on a core uh, working capital uh, improvement project, and even um, in in the last three years, as as part again of the the Australian business, it is about having the mindset of being a commercial leader and not just a sales leader, um, and evaluating business opportunities like that. Um, you know that that sets you up to to really make the in fact, I was going to say that sets you up to make the the jump, but it it makes it a natural transition as opposed to a quantum leap to to something else. It's just um, a mindset. Yeah, the um, so just reflecting on the mentor piece there, because we do talk about how a lot of that younger generation do a fair bit of jumping uh, um, at a young age because they, you know, they feel that after six or 12 months in a position, they really need, you know, they should be going that next step and they don't get that within an organisation. They are moving quite quite quickly and it's not uncommon to see, you know, someone with, you know, six or eight jobs uh, on their resume at 32 years of age, which, you know, one of the things that some of our listeners, have, uh, sorry, some of our guests have said to us is, really to maybe sometimes just to sit tight a little bit and um, you know the 
the advice you were given from your, you know, that, that mentor was to, there's no right time to take the leap. I agree with that. But, you know, in reverse to that, would you say there's times where you actually did stay tight and did stay with the role? Um, and, and in hindsight, that was a really important decision. You know what I think it comes down to? I think it comes down to, to purpose, getting really clear on, on, your, on your career purpose. Now, you won't really have that um, at the beginning stages of your career. And if you do, that, that's largely, well, it's fairly unusual. Um, so if you're clear with purpose um, and you have those open and honest conversations with, with your company around how the company can facilitate different experiences that gives you breadth of experience to, to, to get there, I think that would be, that'd be powerful. Um, I also think that there is something about uh, learning the business in, let me call it a jobbing role, early on in your career, um, particularly if you're going to be moving cross-functionally. It's easier to do that um, in the early stages of your career. The more senior you, you become, the harder it becomes because there's an expectation of basic knowledge and, and expertise. So, you know, for companies and for leaders, I think it becomes an interesting balance um, in how you allow for these um, uh, experiences um, while uh, retaining, um, you know, a, a level of expertise within the business um, to keep the, the the business going. I don't think it's going to change, though, um, as much as we may want to rile against the fact that, you know, the, the new generation of employees want new and different experiences. Rather than fight it, I think we need to fight, find a way of really tapping into that um, and find a new, dif uh, and a different way of of working. So, with that in mind, Esme, I mean, you've talked about, you know, acting as if you've talked about being aligned to purpose, being have a breadth of commercial. If you could give advice to that uh, bright young lady in South Africa, um, what advice would you give her, knowing what you know now? I think it's exactly the things I've just spoken about is be courageous, put your hand up for lots of different things, even if you don't think that you are qualified um, for something, go out there and, and learn. You know what, I think every interaction, every um, situation is an opportunity to learn from. Um, sometimes you learn through adversity and sometimes you learn through having really positive um, experiences. And I think it's about seeing it as such and embracing the, the, the learning because it'll stand you in good stead um, as you progress up the, the career ladder. Um, you mentioned it earlier is, um, you know, don't, don't undervalue lateral moves as part of your professional development to ultimately unlock your, your career goal. Um, it is often in those lateral moves that you make in, in an organization where you truly embed um, expertise um, and you can gain great learning from it. So you've got to embrace that really and um, take, take the leap of faith, jump, have that jump. Um, and even if it might be, again, mightn't feel like you, it's a promotion, it's a sideways promotion, it is giving you a bigger grounding of that business that you're working for. So it can only lead you in good stead if you're, if you're wanting 
and prepared to learn. And yeah, I mean, to work in logistics is an amazing jump that you've obviously made from sales. And um, you know that that would have been a, a very daunting time for you to to make that make that change and you know what about um you know just on the mentoring you would i would see obviously uh where you know you'd have a few people that would be come do they come to you and you know say you know because mentors as we speak about aren't someone that you know it's got to be a natural fit it's got to be a, a, a really a, a, a um just a common fit and it's not something oh can you be my mentor because that doesn't sort of work but what is in terms of mentoring within the business what is Kellogg's do to influence that and, and have you got programs on, on partnering up people and how does that work? So you can have either formal or informal mentoring programs. Uh, you're at Kellogg ANZ, we have both. So a couple of years ago, we launched our formal mentoring program um, and last year we had about 50% of our top and emerging talent paired with, with mentors. We've pushed that up to uh, 85% um, this year. So that is a program that is, is delivering great benefits yeah. for us and it's founded on the principle of, 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 of mutual learning for both mentee and, and mentor. And where the relationship isn't working, it is completely okay to say, it's not working uh, for whatever for whatever reason. We also have an informal mentoring program at at Kellogg's. Um, this is based on self nomination that opens um, uh, once every twelve months. We've had thirty pairings uh, through that program in the last two years, and I'm very pleased to tell you we've actually had six promotions from from that group. And uh, there, there's uh, uh, statistics available that'll tell you that. Um, People that uh, are mentored uh, are more likely to have higher compensation and to get promoted than their unmentored um, uh, counterparts. So that is a very powerful, and I think in most organisations quite latent, uh, but a very powerful tool for professional and personal development uh, in, in mentoring. But again, it requires courage. I spoke about courage a bit earlier. You have to be courageous to, you know, make yourself vulnerable in service of your your own development. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's actually I was just sharing with Esme, um, uh, one of our uh, guests coming up in the next uh, next two weeks. I think, uh, uh, Mr. David Freeman, the uh, uh, the owner and C CEO, founder of H2 Coco, and he talks about obviously as an entrepreneur of ten years in his own brand. Um, that he really didn't embrace the mentoring piece until quite late. And, and the mentors that he had really had helped him understand business, understand retail business uh, even better. And as, his business has really grown significantly from taking on board that, whereas the first few years he was just trying to do it all on his own and wasn't asking for help or, or getting guidance from people that had already done it uh, or been down that road previously. So... That's interesting because that's been largely my experience uh, personally too, that uh, it's only in the last five years or so that I've really embraced um, mentoring and um, it's helped me an, a huge amount in, in leadership development over, over the last few years. And I think it's about being really clear what you want uh, uh, from the relationship and, you know, how the mentor can, can help you with that. Um, and then having open dialogue uh, around that. Yeah, 
And uh, look, yeah, just the um, the one thing you haven't touched on is you spent a bit of time in NZ. So uh, I think um, you know when uh, we we worked on some projects in the in the the route piece, and and then you, you you took a charter over in New Zealand. And what was that experience like? And and obviously, it sounds like that's when that mentoring piece has sort of started kicking in uh, over that five year you know journey and, and time over there. How was it? So I spent three years leading our, our business in, in New Zealand uh, and it was an amazing experience. We've got a, a really good business over there um, and during the time that I was there, the chemistry in the team was just magic. Um, it also culminated in, in us winning the Conexa Best Place to Work um, while I, I was there and that was just a testimony to how well the team came together. It was the classic case of a fully integrated team pointed up against the best interests of, of the business. So loved that experience. Um, and from a leadership development point of view, really good training ground. You know, when you've got a competent, engaged, passionate team, um, get out of their way and let them get on with it. So, um, I love that. Get the, out of their way. That's it. They're the, coming through. The Kiwis taught me that. <laughs> no, I definitely love that hearing that as well. And, and I'm assuming that's uh, helped you with, you know, over the last 12 months moving from a sales director to managing director. Has there been anything about the new role of being managing director that has surprised you? Or, or were you totally prepared for the role? Uh, I don't think you can ever be totally prepared for how all-consuming uh, uh, a role like this uh, can be. Um, I, what I enjoy uh, at the moment or what I enjoy about th this role is, you know, you are focused on the high-level strategic direction of, of the company and you direct the company's overall growth. Today, MDs are also um, much more operationally involved um, and more hands-on. Hands um, you, you're involved in, you know, um, uh, influencing the culture uh, of, of the business, focused on um, uh, the role of your business in, in the community and doing the right thing environmentally and, you know, generally invested in the well-being of, of people. So um, the way I see my job is really to enable the organization and not to control it. I read somewhere that CEO should stand for chief enabling officer, and that really sums it up for me. Chief enabling officer. All right, we're going to have to... Uh um, patent that one and bring a book out on that, on that one, I think. It's, uh, it sounds like... Um, uh, a few managing directors might want to take a leaf out of that book, but uh, um, it's it definitely uh, it's the way of you know a lot of businesses moving forward and and understanding the and getting involved in those things uh, is really really important because you uh, you can give it a lot a lot better guidance. It's similar to getting to the level that you have now you know, achieved is you know as again I was talking in the in the break that by starting as a sales rep and coming through that function, I really, and Mark, Mark and I talk regularly about how coming that grassroots, that coming from the, the streets and, and really understanding that irrespective of what business it is or has been in or 
but it definitely puts you in good stead to to be a leader and and for someone to you know to to for people to want to work for and and moving forward so no, it's definitely a big piece of it Mark, um, what are your? Uh, what, what, is there anything that you want to uh, throw out to Esme in terms of, um, you know, just the the, the the FMCG industry moving forward, and uh, um, you know, certainly the category that, that Kellogg's playing, and or even other 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 players, you know, that are being disruptive in the market. Well, this one's a little bit off script, so um, I'm just fascinated, uh, Esme. You've talked about vulnerability a couple of times, so. Have you been influenced by the recent work of Brené Brown? And if you have, um, how has that influenced your thinking on vulnerability? So I'm not sure whose work you are referring to uh, at the moment. <laughs> uh, but in terms of, of, of vulnerability has been part of, of my own leadership development journey. Um, and, you know, being being more relatable uh, to to the people uh, around you and showing them uh, a little bit more of of the the real you um, and what's inside of you. Um, I found it, it's been incredibly hard for me to learn uh, how to do that, particularly having built my career in sales, pretty much from sales rep all the way up. You get taught through your career that you don't do that. And then at some point it's, well, now you have to do that um, in order to be an effective, credible and relatable leader. So you have to unlearn a whole heap of things um, that you have learned for many years before. But it is incredibly powerful um, when you do that um, in creating those human connections um, and helping you know, the people around you um, unlock all the potential that they have uh, inside inside themselves by you know being more authentic. Yeah, and that's I uh, just want to touch on that one quickly. You know, you're, you're talking about Esme as the person, so uh, you know, share with the listeners a little bit about Esme as the person. Uh, you know, you have children. Where do you you, know, you you live in the Shire down in God's country? I I think we we call that. And being an ex Shire guy, uh, I can sort of claim that one a little bit still. So you know. Talk to the listeners a bit about yourself and what are your interests uh, outside of work? So, yes, uh, two teenage girls. So um, they most certainly keep me uh, um, humbled uh, and, and on, my, on my toes. Um, married to husband Ian. Um, and, yes, we, we love living down in, in the Sutherland Shire. It's an interesting story how we, we got to live down there is when we moved to Australia back in 2008, the advice that we got was, uh, you should move to St. Ives um, because there's a big South African community in St. Ives. And the conversation we had was, why would we want to go to the other side of the world to go and find another South African community? We wanted to integrate into the Australian community. So we took the map of Sydney and picked the most direct opposite point to St. Ives that we could find and ended up near Cronulla in the Sutherland Shire um, and absolutely love it there. So we're still there. <laughs> it definitely is the furthest point from one to the other. That's definitely true. You can't get too much further other than Palm Beach, which I'm sure there's a lot of Palm Beach people out there that love Palm Beach as well as St. Ives, but yeah, the Shire is a, is a, is a great spot as well. 
the Prime Minister's from down there. So uh, uh, after the weekend, he's still Prime Minister. Um, Mark, uh, any any other questions that you got there, buddy? No, I mean, probably just uh, to wrap it up, in terms of um, leadership moving forward, um, and in particular leading a business, um, what sort of you know further challenges do you see moving forward? In, in particular, you know, how do you keep a workforce engaged? Uh, there's so many things in that uh, question. So uh, challenges going forward, um, I spoke about... Um, our, our ability to to unlock growth in you know sluggish uh, markets I think we also challenged as big companies by um, multiple smaller entrants coming into the market and, and running really fast and operating in a very entrepreneurial way um, which challenges us as as bigger companies um, how do we become more agile? Uh, here at Kellogg's, um, we have this notion of um, operating with a soul of a startup, and the soul of the st- of a startup um, really says that, you know, if this was our business, um, what would we do? How would we um, manage resources? How would we invest? And you know, how would we drive those uh, different uh, decisions? And that's something that we're trying to embed right through uh, our, our culture, um, in order for us to become more competitive with um, some of these more disruptive, um, smaller entrants in in the market. Um, for for me personally, um, in terms of of engagement. Um, I think that uh, on the whole, um, everyone comes to work, I know I do, to feel that I make a difference and to feel that I'm being challenged. Um, and I, I think that's no different for the organisation as a whole. So for us at, at Kellogg's, and we know this because our team tells us that what gets them out of bed every day and brings them uh, uh, into the office and, and the various places that they work for us is that they're very proud to be be part of of the Kellogg family. Um, they are they feel challenged to make an impact, and they feel that they are empowered um, to 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 make an impact. And I think that makes that makes all the difference. Um, is is constantly um, showing people what is, what is possible, because what is truly possible is already inside of everyone. Well, I'm feeling inspired. Absolutely, mate. Uh, it's definitely, uh, it's, that's a key thing to be able to get out of bed and be inspired by what you do and want to, and the people you work with and, and, and making a difference. I mean, they're, they're, they're the key fundamentals. And, and any of the listeners of that, if you're not waking up and going to work with that in you, know, in, in you then you may need to have a look at where you are and what you're doing. So, uh, look, uh, Esme, look, thank you very much for your time. It's been a great catch up. Um, no, I wouldn't have been able to tell you, you know, South African. So, um, but, uh, um, Mark, uh, again, thanks for your time, mate, down in Melbourne. Uh, I'll, uh, anything you want to close off with this, mate? No, I um, uh, just want to uh, hand in my resignation of my own consultancy and uh, start working at Kellogg's. <laughs> in our office in Sydney, right? I'll, get, I'll move my family up there, yes. <laughs> Excellent. And, uh, again, Esme, thank you for your time. It's been a great catch-up and uh, 
uh, we really do appreciate it and uh, all the very best. And, and your, uh, uh, I was going to, and one of our questions is what do you see as your next phase and your next journey? But uh, I think you've got a bit of a, a, you've got a bit of a, you're staying, staying put for a little while with this journey and all the very best in, in, in being the managing director and, and taking Kellogg's uh, you know, into, into the future. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, Mark, that was an amazing uh, journey with uh, Esme. Uh, it was great to hear her backstory. Uh, I've known Esme for a, for a number of years and uh, to really just put a few pieces to the jigsaw puzzle for me, mate. So what were some of the things that stood out for you today? Well, I really love that podcast. Uh, you know, in the spirit of Brené Brown with vulnerability and courage, I, I really think that was a great example of someone who's really living those behaviours. But probably the three things that really stood out for me was the leap that she's made from sales director to managing director. You know, we know a lot of people have made, you know, reached the lofty heights of sales director or marketing director, but that next step is just beyond them. But she's made that leap and she's doing a fantastic job. I think, you know, her real emphasis on breaking down the silos is probably one of the big reasons she's been able to make that transition. You know, her emphasis on diverse teams and vertical employment. And probably last, you know, the sales and marketing alignment. You know, we've seen so many companies who just, you know, fall into that black hole and can't do it. But, you know, she's really leading the way as an industry leader. So what about yourself? Mate, I really enjoyed uh, hearing about unlocking the, the growth mindset. Um, you know, growth mindset's a real buzzword with everyone that we're talking to at the moment. And, uh, you know... Some companies, uh, particularly the, the behemoths of the big organisations, have take they, they they bring in a concept. They take months and if not years to to evolve it before they take it to market. And you really be got to got to become very agile in today's marketplace. And uh, you know the fact that uh, you know they brought out their smoothie and uh, they're out there pretty quickly. Um, you know I think that's a testament to to where they're going and 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 Esme behind that. And uh, you know definitely. Um, Formal and informal mentors, I think, is a really key one. Um, it's great to hear the program that Kellogg's have, but I'm hearing that, again, amongst a number of different organisations that, you know, really that really work for them. And uh, um, you do have to, to have those mentors and, and really get a, you know, they can, if you don't have them, you need to check in with a, within your people and within your management teams and see who you've got alignment with. And, and finally, mate, you know, the sales basics uh, for me were the key. Um, the fact that Esme started as a sales rep on the road, that is a fundamental for me of success and, 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 and what makes a, a sales director, a managing director, and certainly is a core root of a lot of the, uh, the interviews and the guests that we've got on the podcast. So, mate, they're, they're the key ones for me. So, finally, I'd, I'd really like to thank our, our guest today, Esme uh, Borgeld. We couldn't have done it without the production expertise of Young Gun, Blake Labina. And many thanks goes to our uh, creative partner, Ant, Ant May uh, from Ant Designs. He's an amazing guy and uh, real big call out to Ant. He's been, um, you know, he's been the backbone for this uh, podcast. So, and, he's, and he's got a number one digital agency here in Sydney and a website provider here in Sydney. So big call out to Ant. So next we'll be hearing from uh, one of our Australian leading uh, icons. Uh, certainly uh, it's got a bit more of a petrol and convenience flavour about it, but uh, more importantly, uh, we're certainly looking forward to our next guest. Well, in the growth with that channel, really looking forward to it. So till next week. Thank you. Bye for now.